give it up if God is doing something great in your life. We are celebrating the goodness of God in your life. We're excited to be here with you today, and today it's our privilege to serve you. Um, so before we get started, if you believe that God has something he wants to speak specifically to you, listen, if you're in need of truth, if you're in need of direction, then I'm telling you, you're in the right place. All right, God's got something to speak to you. So declare this with us if you believe that. Say, I have ears to hear. I have eyes to perceive. And I have a heart that's ready to understand and receive the living word of God. Now, come on, give it up for God one more time. All right, you said you're ready. You said you're willing. You said that you're open. And I believe that today's message will speak directly to your heart. We've been in a series the last couple of weeks entitled True Lies. And what we've been learning over the last several weeks is about lies that we've come to accept as truth. Look, I think that we can all agree on this. We can disagree on many things, but I think we can all agree on this. That there's nothing worse than believing a lie as truth. It leads to error. It doesn't work. You know what I'm talking about? You know, it, it, it leaves you with a bad taste in your mouth after the fact. And so Jesus said something very important. He says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And so today there's freedom in the house. Today there's a release in the house. Today there's something that God wants to impart unto you. And so today I'd like to talk to you about a lie that has become commonplace in the lives of many believers by way of misinterpretation. Today's topic is, I'm in this world, but not of it. I'm in this world, but not of it. Now, I know what some of you are thinking right now. Wait, that's in the scriptures. I know that some of you are saying, wait, that's true. I know that some of us right now, you're saying, but wait, those are the words of Jesus himself. How can we be saying that there's, that, that's a lie? And to you, I say, you are right. That is in the scriptures. It is the truth. Jesus did say those things. So I know right now you're wondering, so how is it then that we're relating this to a lie? And while this is the truth, it comes directly from God's word. Too many of us have taken it to mean that we cannot and should not be involved in the affairs that plague our world today. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is a lie. That is a lie. That is a lie. Look, it's no secret that we're living in trying times. Would we agree? Right? It's no secret that racial tensions are high, that political discourse is at an all-time high, that divisiveness on a range of issues from nationality to the color of our skin to socioeconomic issues to uh, uh, politics that all these things, these labels have created a wedge between us that have incited the breaking of relationships. They've incited an inability to listen to one another, and they've created a division amongst our nation, a division that was never intended to be where we are today, who we are today. Listen, uh, this nation was intended to be one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. 
And so we've gotten quite far from that vision that was cast for us so long ago. We, we, we've deviated from that, and at the core of it lies a deviation from what, uh, that, that has been allowed from what was always intended to keep us together. Now, I want to be very clear before I make this statement. I am not preaching politics to you. I want to say that again. My job is not to preach politics to you. But I will tell you this, that this country was founded upon principles that was a love for God, a love for country, and a love for one another. And I don't see anything wrong with that. I don't see anything wrong with that. Now look, while we look to God for strength, while we look to God for direction, and his intervention even in the midst of what we're seeing today, we must understand that we have a responsibility to undertake our part in his process of healing, in his process of helping, in his process of restoring hope to people and to the issues that we're being, uh, we're being exposed to in our country. But here's the thing. God is almighty, and he is capable of intervening and changing the state of our nation on his own. But here's the thing. He cannot do it without you and me. He cannot do it without you and me. Let me give you some scriptural context for that. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 through 23 says this. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is the body, listen closely, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And so as we can see from these verses, God is far above all rule, all authority, all power, all dominion in this world. So the question is, why has God allowed us to get to this point where we find ourselves in? Some might even go to the extent that they say, why is God doing this? And the answer to these questions is, he isn't doing it. The answer to these questions is, he hasn't allowed this. He's been trying to get our attention the whole time. See, God's desire, according to these verses, is that the eyes of our hearts, our beliefs, that's what it's talking about, that our beliefs would be enlightened, that we would know his power that is available unto us and through us, and that we would see and believe in the hope that he has called us to live, the riches of what he has laid up for us. This all includes his wisdom, his love, his truth, his healing, his ways, his strength, his divine intervention. And this is a monumental moment for us to know and understand something, which is what we're going to dig into because too many of us have lost sight of God. Now, hear what I'm saying here. While God has put all things under his feet and has given us Christ as our head, many of us 
are still looking to men. We're still looking to men. We're still looking to man-made systems. We're still looking to our politics as the solution to the ills that are plaguing our nation and this world. Listen, believer, there is nothing wrong with you being involved in every facet of what is going on right now. But we must understand something, that we cannot fall for the trap of depending on the system of men when we have the kingdom of God. So look, as a result, while we profess allegiance to God, for some of us, we're still siding with men. And the reality is that by doing so, we're excluding the wisdom, the power, and the intervention of God himself. In verse 23 of Ephesians uh, chapter 1, we can put that up, please. What you'll see is it tells us clearly what we're missing as his people if we approach the matters of this world in this way. It tells us that his fullness which fools all in all. Now watch this. It's talking about you and me. And what it's saying is that we contain the very fullness of God who is the Godhead. That is in you. That is working through you. That is available to the world through you and I. But how many of you know that you can withhold your cup? You can withhold what you contain. That's a choice, ladies and gentlemen. That's a choice. See, there is a solution to everything that we're seeing and experiencing today. And God has filled you with all that Christ is. That's all his wisdom. That's all his power. That's all his goodness. That's all his deliverance. That's all his healing. That's in you. Listen, do not minimize this. Do not minimize this. There is a solution in this world, and while we're looking to men, we're robbing God of the opportunity to do something. And I'm going to tell you why. Because we choose to do nothing. We choose to do nothing. So God has filled you with all that Christ is, but all that is in you must transcend and pour into all that is around you. It must pour into all that is around you. In a world riddled with issues, you and I are called to be influencers. Listen closely. Not be influenced. So I have a question for us to, to consider for self-reflection. Are you an influencer right now or are you influenced? Are you determining the narrative? Or are you following a narrative? Listen, I know that right now at this moment, for some of us, this is a touchy issue. I'm going to tell you why. Because when it comes to my politics, when it comes to my worldview, you know, we, we don't want to go there. But the thing about it is this, child of God, your view must be defined by the kingdom, not by this world. It must be defined by the kingdom. And so I want to be very clear on this. I make no apologies for the word of God today. Amen. I make no apologies for the word of God today. And I, and I challenge you to go back to the scriptures for yourself and hear the heart of God.
because I'm not giving you my opinion today. Amen? Amen. All right, so the Bible recounts a time in the nation of Israel where they were in subjection to the rule of men. What reigned in those days was the popular opinion of people. And they were subjected to the politics that prevailed in their day. They were under the dominion of a nation known as Persia, who had taken them captive by defeating the prior empire that had rule over them. And so while, uh, uh, while they were under the dominion of this nation known as Persia, a lot of things began to happen. A lot changed for the people of God. A new language was imposed upon them. A new system of beliefs uh, that was contrary to what they believed uh, was imposed upon them. And a new way of life was imposed on them. And while they were oppressed, while they were opposed to this oppression, slowly but surely they compromised their beliefs and what was right. And ultimately they forsook God by their choice to succumb to Persia's ways. And in the midst of this, God did not remain absent. He was still at work. You see, there was a man named Daniel who God could still work through. And so turn with me in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. Starting at verse 1, it says, It pleased Darius, this is the king of Persia at the time, it pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps, these are like governors, to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not, might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So get this picture here. While being a Hebrew slave in Persia, Daniel is involved in every aspect of the affairs that are going on, that are plaguing his people, that are challenging his faith, and that are affecting the world around him, right? And so, but the thing is that Daniel was a slave, a Hebrew captive serving in the midst of the highest ranks of that, the, the, the known world in that day. And the thing about it is this, that allowed an influence for God's authority to have way there. And so, you see, what, what's interesting is that Daniel the scripture says was distinguishable. But it wasn't because of his appearance. It wasn't because of his education. It wasn't because of his adherence to the rule of men. Daniel was distinguishable because he remained submitted to God and he allowed that to influence the world around him. I just want to say something to you right now. Like Daniel, like this man of God, you man of God, you woman of God, you people of God, you too can be involved. Yeah. 
And so there's more to come on that. We're going to dig, dig into that for a second. But I want you to see this, that you are God's plan A. You are God's plan A. And it has nothing to do with your age. It has everything to do with your faith in God. Jesus said this, that when you find yourself before great men and kings, that you're not to worry because he will give you the, mouth, the, the words with which to speak what he hears from the Father, referring to the Holy Spirit who's in you. And so, listen, the, the, eventually what happens is that the belief that Daniel had in God and his submission to God's ways, they came the day where it was challenged. It was challenged, right? And so I, we won't read all of it, but I'll just give you some context and then we'll see something else from, from, from this experience that Daniel had. So the scripture says that these guys were scheming to figure out a way to get at Daniel. They wanted to knock him off from his position. They did not like the fact that there was a man who worshipped God in play, that there was a man who held to his values and did not compromise that dared to serve the nation and the people. They had a problem with that. And I want you to notice something about the scripture that the scripture clearly states, and check it out on your own, we just read it. It says that Darius placed three men over these satraps so that they could watch over his affairs. That tells us something. He didn't trust his own people, but he trusted a man of God. He trusted a man of God. And so these men come up with a game plan. They go before Darius because Darius, in fact, is a pagan. He worships other gods. And according to the Persian customs, um, the king wasn't just king. He wasn't just emperor. He was also God. And so the people would pray to him as a god, too. They would look to him as a god. That was their customs. And so the day comes where these men approach the king and they say, Oh, King Darius. We've got a great idea. For the next 30 days, issue a decree that no other God can be prayed to except to you. And whoever violates this law, let them be set to death by throwing them in the, in the lion's den. Let them be eaten up by the lions. And so Darius says, great idea. I'll sign it. And so he signs it into law. Now, according to Persian customs, when, uh, when the emperor issued a law, a decree, it could not be revoked. Couldn't turn on it. It was law. Even if he regretted it, there was no undoing it. And so he signs this into law, and the Bible says that when Daniel hears this, watch what Daniel does. He doesn't cower in fear. He doesn't run in anguish. He's not anxious. The Bible says that he goes into his quarters, he turns towards Jerusalem and he prayed three times a day, watch this, with thanksgiving. God, I'm thankful that you're still good. God, I'm thankful that you're still in our midst. God, I'm thankful for your call upon my life. God, I'm thankful for your power and your presence. God, I'm thankful for your goodness. And so he's praying, and in one of these, on one of these particular days, what happens is these men barge into his room and they catch him praying. And they go, aha! And so they go to the king, and they say, King Darius, did, did you not put this law into effect? And look, your guy, Daniel, we found him praying to the God of Jerusalem, the God of the, of the Hebrews. It says, you have to put him to death. And so what the scripture reveals is that the, the, the king, this guy Darius, uh, regretted the decision he had made. But he had no choice, right? And so 
Uh, let's turn to Daniel chapter 6, uh, verse 19 through 23. And it says that at the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. So here's what's happened. Daniel's already been thrown into the lion's den. And there's no one who's ever made it out of a lion's den with a bunch of hungry lions, right? So this guy is running there because prior to this moment, he says, Daniel, may your God be with you. And so now the next day comes and he's hurrying to the lion's den. And it says in verse 20, when he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions. And Daniel answered, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him. Because he had trusted in his God. So what we see is that Daniel was faced with a difficult situation. Choose what's right before God or choose what's right before men. And as we can see, Daniel chose correctly. And the results proved it. Listen, listen to what happens after this. Daniel uh, chapter 6 verses 25 and 26 it says, Then King Darius wrote to all the nations... And people of every language in all the earth, may you prosper greatly. I issue a decree. Listen, he sets a new law in place. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. So watch this. This is what this guy is saying. He's saying his kingdom is greater than mine. Look to this kingdom is what he's saying. Now I want you to just measure those words. Measure those words. See, Daniel's decision paved the way for God's influence not only to impact Persia, but to impact the world. You know, the truth is that we still live in a Persian system today. We still live in a Persian system today. We do. We do. Have you, ever, have you noticed this? Have you noticed that the only religious views challenged today are those of Christ? Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that we live in a world, look, and, and I mean no disrespect to anyone of any other faith. Let me be very clear on that. But there's no religious challenge to Hinduism or Islam or Confucianism or any other belief system. But there's a problem with Christ. Are you getting, are you seeing this for yourself? Open your eyes and see the world that we live in. Listen, the prevailing views of today encourage us to remain uninvolved. They say, you believe in your Christ, just shut up. That's the world we live in. That's the world we live in, ladies and gentlemen. 
And so the prevailing views encourage us to remain uninvolved, to conform, to divide, to pursue what people say is right and good, to fight against one another instead of uniting. Listen, we were just in a season where we were justifying riots and attacked and attacks based on the inability of people to manage their discontent. And I am not saying that we don't have some issues of injustice in this country. We do. But it is unjust for us to act ungodly and justify that as if it's right. It's unjust. See, Daniel's approach teaches us that fidelity to God and his ways can influence change in our nation if we dare to take on the high call to be involved in the process of change. I'm going to tell you, get involved. Get involved. Get involved. And so what do we learn from Daniel's example? We learn a few things. One of the first things we learn is that our responsibility is not unto men. It's unto God. Do you realize that we're smack in the middle of Daniel's story today? Listen, we're coming up. We're in the middle of a, 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 a season in, in, in life unlike any other where every decision we make is affecting the world we live in. I'll give you an example of that. We have an upcoming election. Ooh. Ooh. Pastor, don't go there. Well, you said you love me already. I'm not worrying about it. Listen, just hear where I'm coming from. We have an upcoming election. It's pivotal in many ways. And yet, as believers, I want you to question this. Do you dare to identify yourself with a party? Do you? Think about this. I, I mean, I know this is touchy. I know it's touchy. But listen, let me, let me just say this to you. We are not left. We are not right. We're up. Amen. I'm going to say that again. We're not left. We're not right. We're up. Let me prove it to you. Listen to Psalm chapter 2, verse 6. Now, if you just read this, if you just check out Psalm chapter 2 in your own time, you'll see that the scripture says that God says, the nations rage, they rise up, right? They, they, they're trying to do all these things, and it says that the Lord laughs at them. And then listen to the statement that God makes. I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. Listen closely. This is your king. This is my king. And so, this before you speak, before you take a stance, before you draw a line of divide, you have to ask yourself, is this that I'm choosing, that I'm holding as my opinion, that I'm grabbing onto truth, that I'm drawing my stance from? Is this flowing from the throne of God Most High? Is this flowing from the throne of God? This might throw you off, but follow my train of thought for more. I just had a weird thought. I'm very, uh, how can I say it, uh, uh, picture-driven, right? I, I, I see, I, I think in pictures. 
Have you ever drank coffee without a filter? Yeah, exactly, right? Who does that? Who, who, who drinks coffee with all the, the, the grains in it, right? All, all that grind and stuff. You don't. You use a filter. So let me ask you a question. What makes us think that we're, that, that we're going to get good results and be left with a good taste in our mouth and in our heart if we don't filter everything through the King of Kings and his word? Oh, man. You still love me, right? <laughs> Let me just give you a piece of advice. Before you vote in this upcoming election, know this, that how you vote should be your first consideration before you consider who you vote for. I'm going to say that again. How you vote, how you vote should be your first consideration before you consider who you vote for. Tell you what I mean by that. The men that conspired for Daniel's demise presented a law to the king and the consensus won. His enemies won. But Daniel's choice in the face of this political move, which is what it was, was not to choose like men and bow down. Instead, Daniel made a choice based upon who God was in his life, and how God's laws instructed him. Amen. Not the politics of the day. Amen. So let me ask you a question. How much does your belief in Jesus and God's word impact your political views? You know... The truth is this, that you and I are responsible to God. But here's also the truth. God is not responsible to your politics. Amen. We try to fit God into worldviews. It doesn't work. You know what that's called? Compromise. That's called compromise. That's called compromise. That's ungodly. And I know it's real quiet right now, and I know people online are going, man, let me go find another church that I can watch. Before you tune me out, let's just go to the word. And look, if that's not you online, please don't take it personal. I'm just, I, I, I get it. This is a touchy issue. But let's consider the words of Jesus. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, he says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Listen to what God says. God says you are the light. Why? Because you have the light of the world within you. But the question is, are you shining that light so that all can see God? You know, there's two things that we can do with light. There's two things that we can do with light, which leads me to a point. Your responsibility, my responsibility, our responsibility as believers is to reflect the truth 
not refracted. Let's leave that point up. I want you to consider what I'm saying here. I want you to consider what I'm saying here. With light, we can either reflect it, which simply means this, that we bounce the light waves off as is, and we reflect them as is. When you reflect, when, when you refract light, what you do is you bend the light waves. It's coming in straight, and what you do is you, you bend it, and, and maybe you get one of these effects. It, it, it goes wide, or it goes another way, but you bend the, the beam of light, and what you're, what you're literally doing is changing the speed of that light. What you're doing is you're changing the wavelength of that light. And what I want to encourage you with is this, that we have to understand that our job is not to misdirect the truth by hiding or bending God's word to suit views. Don't refract the word of God. Don't. Don't. Don't do it. And so in, in light of the manner in which we make decisions, and I'm, I'm going to just go right there where, where, what I was saying. In light of the manner in which we vote, question, is your vote a reflection of God or a refraction? And get this, while no one knows and no one's going in a booth for any candidate or any representative that you're going for because there's more than just a presidency. We're talking Congress, local, state, all everything. The thing is this, while you go in there alone, just know this, God's with you. And you are responsible to God. We're responsible. You're, we're responsible. Can I tell you something? Because this, for some of us, some of us, we believe my vote doesn't matter. What's the point? You know what the point is? God calls you to be involved. Amen. You have a responsibility to be a light in this world. Amen. You must get involved. Amen. You must. Amen. And so, whatever candidates, whatever people that you vote for, you must measure them and their beliefs and their track record in accordance with God's word. Do they stand for the word or not? Do they make way for the word or not? You know, if you just watch somebody long enough and listen to them long enough, what you'll hear is their heart. So I want to encourage you to not just simply go based upon what somebody tells you or whatever people you affiliate yourself with. Do the research and above all, ask God for wisdom and then don't just stop at saying, well, God, I prayed. Look at his word because he will answer you. Amen? Amen. All right, man, I made it through that one. <laughs> I thought, I, I thought my jacket was going to be tore up. <laughs> Listen, our responsibility is to live with respect for all in reverence to God. 1 Peter 2, 16 and 17 says this, Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover or pretext for evil. 
But use it and live as bondservants of God. Show respect for all people. Treat them honorably. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. One of the greatest testaments to our love for God is to honor and respect people among us. You may not respect someone's views or choices, but that is not a license to disrespect the person. It is not a license. You know, a couple of months back, there was, there was a lot of tensions going on. There were some rallies and different things going on. And I got invited to a few, and I went to one. I went to one. And I went, but when I went there, and, you know, there were a lot of people, man, I'm passing, I'm so glad you're here, you know. And, and I said, you know, I believe in our right to protest. But I do want you, and I had an interesting conversation, and I'm not, I, I don't, I'm, I, I'm not taking sides here on anything. But the advertisement that was put out for this particular rally was, no lives matter until black lives matter. And I want to be very clear on something, and I make no apologies for this. That's division. Show me that in the word. When what Jesus did was for all the world. When what Jesus prayed was, may they be one as we are one. I and you, you and them, you and me, they and us. Listen closely. There is no room for division in this world. So in the midst of that, I had a disagreement with that statement. And I had a conversation with some of the people that helped organize it. And I'll tell you something. It was with absolute respect for their right to protest. It was with absolute respect for their views. I'm, I, we didn't agree, but guess what? My call to the king of kings, personally, as a man of God, is this. To do what the word says. Amen. To show respect for all people. To treat them honorably. To love the brotherhood of believers among me. To fear God and to honor the king. Listen, Daniel was a victim of injustice at the hands of the people among him. And even the authority that was above him. And watch this. Daniel is now in the lion's den. He's made it unscathed. And the king says, Daniel, you still alive in there? Did you make it? Did your God deliver you? And watch what Daniel says to the very person that instituted the call for him to be put to death. He says, may the king live forever. Amen. That's respect. That's godliness. That's godliness. That's godliness. Daniel did not seek reprisal against those that came against him. He did not even complain to the king about them. Instead, Daniel lived with honor as evidenced by his respect for all those among him and above him. Listen, the king was a pagan. And he respected him and honored him. They disagreed on so many fronts. But he served the king as a vessel in the hands of God. Now let me just say this, and I'll move along. I'm just saying in my notes. You know, the scriptures give us great example from the life of David, where David was being persecuted by the king. The guy he would replace. 
there came a time where David had the opportunity to bring this guy down. You know what David said? We're not doing it. I will not touch the Lord's anointed. I'm going to just let that sit. We have a responsibility to show honor and respect. See, respect has nothing to do with compromise. Even when it comes to people in authority. Even when it comes to people who have different views, different beliefs. You don't have to like someone or agree with them, but as the light of the world, you do have to honor them by respecting them. And you know, respect isn't just what you do before people. It's what you also do when they're not around. It's also when they're not around. It's also when you get around, you're foreign no more. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a higher standard to live by, the kingdom of God. That's just the truth. It's the truth. Well, we're way over on time, so I'm going to just wrap this up real quick. Our responsibility is to be an influence without compromise. There's a cry today for people to get involved in the process of change. And as the body of Christ, we too must be involved. But we must do so wisely. The moment you take steps to impact change around you, you will have to face the pressure to conform. You will face pressure to compromise in order to, quote unquote, get things done. But like Daniel, we can be involved and not be influenced. In 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 6, uh, verse 14, it says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common, or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Listen closely. Many people take this portion of Scripture and they bend it to say, you can't be amongst unbelievers. You can't be amongst people with different views from what we believe in Christ. That is not what this scripture is saying. What this scripture is saying is that you and I cannot be yoked. I'll give you a quick little, little geek moment of mine from the Bible. When you're talking about yoke, you're talking about joining yourself to one who will lead you and teach you in the way to go. That's how they used to do it with ox. They take the older and the younger. And the older would teach the younger. The younger wanted to do his own thing, but eventually because he was connected, he was plugged in, he was tied to an oxen that was older, that was stronger, that was wiser, that had more experience, eventually he would begin to pick up on what this other ox was doing. He would go, okay, this is the way to do it. This is easier. This is how it's supposed to be done. So what the scripture is saying here is this. Don't yoke yourself to people that will lead you astray and teach you a way that is not according to the kingdom. In essence, you're the one who they get yoked to and you lead, you teach, you share by your example and by the word of God that you live and you apply day in and day out. Now hear the words of Jesus to you and I. He says, go into all the world and make disciples. You know what a disciple is? A learner. One who gets yoked to you. And so we're called to be an influence without compromise. You cannot yoke yourself to one who will lead you astray from the truth. You cannot compromise the truth. 
That's black and white, ladies and gentlemen. These, this, this is Jesus' words, not mine. And the last point that I want to leave you with here as we stand is this. It's that our responsibility is to lift up all people. Our responsibility is to lift up all people. One of the most powerful things that you and I can do as children of God is to lift up holy hands before God in prayer for those among us. Now, I know that for the vast majority of us, we pray for me, my four, and maybe a few more. But I want you to hear the word of God, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, and we close. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. For all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants, watch this, all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. In light of the discord and the division that we see amongst us today, has it ever crossed your mind that the reason why it's occurring to a magnified extent is because God's people aren't praying, aren't lifting others up? Instead of cursing people and planting your flag, why not come out from there and do what God says? Pray for them. Pray for the enlightening of their eyes. Pray for the word of God to prevail amongst the wisdom of men. Pray for laborers that would come and would plow and till the ground in the hearts of men and help to pave a way for righteousness, for a standard according to the kingdom instead of the politics and the views of men. Ladies and gentlemen, our nation needs God. But I'm going to tell you what that means. This nation needs you. So go and be a light. Go and shine. And filter every decision you make and everything that you do through the living word of God. It will not fail. Amen. Father, today we thank you for your word. It is the truth. And today, Lord, your word speaks directly to our hearts. And thank you today, Lord, that you call us out, that you don't call us based on our qualifications or a laundry list of things that we're supposed to do. Lord, you call us out and you say, you are my qualified ones. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of this earth. You are the change this world needs. You're the impact that I want to make. And so thank you, Lord, that you call us. And Lord, right here, right now, in in, in, in reverence to your word and to you because we worship you and we love you and our devotion is to you, God, we say, help us to see. Help us to be strong and courageous in the midst of trying times. Help us to lead by example. Help us to be bold as a lion because that's what you call us as your, as your righteous people. We will be an influence. We will not compromise. And it's very possible that there's someone here today and you're joining us and you've never had a personal relationship with God. Maybe you grew up in church and it just wasn't your thing. But today what you realize is this, that God is trying to impact you. 
that God is calling out to you that in the midst of everything that's going on in this world, that God's saying, I'm still present and I still can change your world and I can change your circumstances and I can heal your heart and I can bring deliverance into your community and I am a solution to you, the solution to you. And today you find yourself before God and you say, God, I need you. If you believe that, here's what you need to know, that God so loved you that he came in the form of a man to impact you and the entire world. He paid the price as one who was guilty for sin and died the, the, the death of penalty that was yours and mine to die. And he rose again so that you and I can rise. And if you believe that today, then I want you to pray this with us because there's freedom for you. There's freedom in knowing this truth. There's a new path ahead of you. Pray this with us. Say, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died and you rose again. I believe you paid the price for me because you love me. Today I declare you're my Lord. You're my Savior and my God. And that I devote my life to you. Today I make the choice to follow you and I trust you for better results. Come on now, if you prayed that, we're celebrating the goodness of God in your life. Father, we thank you for your word, which is true. We thank you for Jesus. And we thank you for all you've spoken to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you again next Sunday. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.